Cafe Artichoke with another OMN Coffee Shop Conversation. Upcoming episodes, Amy Maxwell from Ticket Tomato on the future of concerts, immediate and otherwise. Also, percussionist, actor, and all-around interesting guy, Katon Lyles. And next week, since we just had OMN's 11th anniversary, I'll be doing the podcast solo. Something for you to either look forward to or run from screaming. Today, one of our best guitarists, John Newfeld, is here. You know him from a lot of bands as that smooth, supple, jaw-dropping player. Kung Pao Chickens is one of them. He's also known as a master masterer. I know we talked about that with Ramsey Embick last week, but nobody ever talks about mastering, period. Let's talk to John Newfield about a lot of things. John, welcome to Artichoke. Thank in, the ca- you. in the cafe. Yeah. Where you have played. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a while. With you played with Danny Barnes. Yeah. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a fire truck. Just <laughs> in ca- if you heard it. Oh my gosh. Two yeah. fire trucks. Two fire trucks. Yeah. No waiting. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so you played here with Danny Barnes. Yeah, that was really fun. That was wow. uh, probably about a, a year ago or so by now. Uh-huh. What was his? What's the name? Oh, I forget the name of his band. It was really funny. Oh, the Bad Livers. The Bad Livers. <laughs> <laughs> Tuba and a banjo. <laughs> Go figure, right? <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, I'd met Danny a long time ago. Um, I don't know when. I mean, it's probably like 10, yeah. 12, 13 years ago now. Like uh-huh. He played on a on an old Jack Straw record, uh-huh. a bluegrass band. He played with us for a little bit, and then he and I did some duo stuff. But it's always kind of like we take a couple of years off and then, yeah. <laughs> and then get together to do another little duo show together, yeah. and it's yeah. so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think everybody would like to know, how are you healing? Oh, well, I and what am, happened? I okay. Well, I was getting ready to play with my longtime band, the Kung Pao Chickens yes. Jazz Group. Yep. And um, I just walked down the street before we were gonna play to go to the convenience store and walked out and was waiting for the walk signal and it was dark out and my right foot from what I can remember and going back and looking, yeah, um, was just behind a little park a cement parking berm oh geez and so when i went forward my right foot um tripped on the parking um spot cement thing and um and i stumbled forward and just fell Uh and dislocated the middle finger on my right hand it looked like a big l and then um i got up and tried moving my left wrist and uh-huh. I it moved independently of my forearm and that's when I knew that I'd broken oh, broken it so yeah so it was very lucky though it was March 2nd March 6th I was able to get surgery so I have a titanium plate and seven screws now oh my god and um is it gonna stay that way yep uh oh. as long as you they let me know as long as you kind of do exercises and you keep it moving the tendons should be able to not do the thing. It's very rare, but sometimes they can get caught on the side uh, of the plate. So, uh, yeah, it was about three or four months of four hours a day of uh, rehab. Wow. So it was. I was determined though to get better. <laughs> can you play? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I'm yeah. Um, I'm working on a couple records right now and great. Been playing. I've uh, been getting together with Jack Straw just for fun during uh-huh. this time uh-huh. and. Yeah. 
I mean, it feels wonderful. How to long? Be able to play. How long did could could? How long did you have to take off of not playing? Well, they thought it was going to be about six months until I played <laughs> well, which was uh-huh. would have been, I guess, last month. But yeah. I've been. I'd say that I, I played first time with immense difficulty about yeah. two months after. Wow. But the hardest thing was um, I couldn't rotate my hand. The part that I broke yeah. on my wrist is what allows your hand to rotate. Oh, geez. And so in order to play guitar, yeah. you know something about that, yeah. your hand has to basically rotate fully. Right. So that was the most frustrating part was huh. the fingers moved and everything, but I couldn't get it to turn Oh, basically where the hand faced my face. You just turned just now. You yeah. Just, you just looked yeah. at your hand yeah. and turned it. Yeah, exactly. And it turned. Yeah. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, so it's great, you know. Um, yeah. It's nice to feel better. Yeah. 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 It was a lot. <laughs> I mean, it was funny that it seemed to happen like a week, two weeks before everything really went into lockdown mode. So I... Yeah. I kind of joked that I got like a two-week head start on yeah. quarantining from yeah. everybody else. Jeez, wow, <laughs> man, oh man. Um, could you could you still do, do your mastering work? Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I in fact I even did a session. I think the second day or third day after I got hurt and I was still in a, I hadn't had my surgery yet and I still had a big cast on and stuff and uh, I started. Um, I'd scheduled to do a, a session with um, a friend who I'm, I'm producing his record, and he came over. Uh-huh. Who is that? Um, John Henry Burke. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, he played with the Tree Frogs and some uh-huh. other people from the Laurel Thirst. I've known him for a long time. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, so I'm working on a record with him, and we had this whole plan to do all this stuff, and then, you know, I had surgery and the oh, coronavirus, and, you uh, know, uh, uh. <laughs> it's it's crazy world. Yeah. Do you have all your own mastering gear or do you yes. have to go someplace? Yes. Oh, okay. I, I was about three years ago. I was producing some different projects. Uh-huh. Um, I did this one that ended up coming on Smithsonian Folkways label. Wow. That's all the Woody Guthrie songs uh-huh. and um, that he wrote about the Bonneville Dam. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so I was producing that and, and it got mastered and, and nothing was... Um, wasn't just that one. It was many different records that were done not incorrect, but aesthetically to my ear, uh-huh. I could always hear something that I, I was like, I think, I think this could be more to my liking, uh-huh. you know, and I think other people would like it too. And so at one point, I got three credit cards. I maxed them all out, <laughs> and I got. <laughs> You know, I don't know, tens of thousands, tens and tens of thousands of dollars of equipment, which is only means like I got like three pieces of equipment and really good speakers, and you know, it ends up costing you, you know, thirty, fifty thousand dollars. But um, and I, and my wife was saying like, "Do you know how to master?" And I was like, "Well, no, but I'm learning." Wow. Do you have any clients? And I was like, "No, but I think I'll get some." <laughs> and I just kind of went forward with it and just learned everything I possibly could and started doing it. And, um, and yeah, and it, it's worked out. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've almost got it paid off now. <laughs> wow. I had Ramsey Embick in here a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And um, uh, he, of course, he's a you know jazz and, and, and soul piano player mm -hmm. mostly, but he also has been a recording engineer and he also had masters. Mm. And I kind of asked him what mastering was, and Ramsey's an interesting man. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, <laughs> I didn't really get a full answer. Okay. So um, before we talk about the, you know, the, the music that you're making right now. Yeah. Uh, it is my uh, it is my my understanding yeah that nobody outside of the music industry knows what the fuck mastering is <laughs> okay <laughs> they see it listed yeah. on a on a CD cover or an album cover or something like that yeah and it says mastered by blah 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 and not only do they not know what it is they don't ask what it is right right <laughs> what is it yeah well, it can be a lot of different things to different people, uh -huh. but essentially, to you? essentially to me, it is um, quality control uh -huh. um, to make sure that the mixes that that you put on a record or a single or uh -huh. whatever, um, that it sounds as good as it can everywhere. Huh. And so sometimes that means maybe it's a little harsh in the high frequencies maybe you adjust that maybe mm -hmm. it's not quite loud enough yet so you make this song louder or this one quieter maybe it's that there's a chair creaking and they don't want the chair creak in there uh -huh. and you have to learn how to forensically take this stuff out wow. you know with these different tools uh -huh. but essentially it's it's it, it's um it's learning what what the artist ultimately um thinks what it should sound like and and, uh -huh. and if there's something missing that they didn't have at the final mixing stage and i've learned that over the years to ask them are you happy with the mixes yeah because sometimes you can leave them it seems like they're untouched but i've done actually 20 or 30 different things to just uh -huh. sweeten them they say oh I, I really thought that was going to sound a lot more different. <laughs> well, were you happy with the mixes? No. Oh, ah. okay. So I've learned now to, um, first and foremost, the first question I ask them, yeah. are you happy with your mixes? <laughs> and then, and then it, it gets a lot easier after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other thing that um, I think is really interesting about it is that it is a very solitary uh, practice. Really? In fact, I, I tell people, like, here's the one cost for doing your record, and if you want to attend, I'll charge you twice as much. <laughs> and they usually laugh, and I said, no, I'm serious, because yeah. I am listening for a little, you know, I don't know if that, if that breath should be there, or, or like, you know, if this, like, little, this little creaking sound of my chair, or, you know, this or that, or just any little artifact uh -huh. is that taking your attention away from the music are you gonna kind of pay attention to that anomaly more than the whole breadth of the song huh. um years down the road yeah and so i'm thinking about that stuff and then if somebody kind of like takes a sip of water or something you know I'm uh -huh. like is that in the track or is that in the room <laughs> and it ends up taking twice as long so yeah, that's the yeah. only reason why yeah, yeah. i love people but i just yeah. In that kind of situation. So mastering is the final step. Yes. Yes. So they really have to trust you. Yes. Yes. Wow. And you you have to be a very thorough person. Uh -huh. um, and 
and basically not not worry about how long it's going to take you, uh-huh. you know. And sometimes it can take you 10 minutes to do a task. Sometimes it can take you eight hours. Uh-huh. One time it took me five hours just to figure out how to get a tilde, um, <laughs> you know, uh, for a Spanish record I was doing. Uh-huh. And it totally changed the word if I didn't have the specific tilde go the right way. And I had it go oh. one way, and it would crash the program that I was mastering on <laughs> because it was a shortcut for something else. So I yeah. had to find yeah. another program. After five hours, I finally had another program, third-party program, to get this tilde just right. So Jeez. something like that. Yeah. where you don't understand how like this metadata gets transferred or these like little punctuation things that would drive most people crazy and it's it's outside of the realm of the creative sonic as- aspect of mastering uh-huh. that um can really frustrate people and and it makes you realize really quickly if it's the right path for you or not. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what are you working on now? What, 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 are, what, what's, what projects are you working on? So who? right now, I am, um, well, we talked about John Henry. Yeah. I'm working with him. We're just, we did the one session at my house before the lockdown. Yeah. And Pete, then Pete Krebs? Yep. I did Pete Krebs' record. Mm-hmm. Um, that, was, that was really fun. Uh, we did. I guess so. Engineered, mixed, and mastered all in my house. Wow. Yeah. So I had. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was five people in in between my dining room and my living room, uh-huh. and um, it was a really cool experiment of of trying to figure out how to get everything mic'd up because it was all recorded live. Yeah, um, get everything lined up so like the drums weren't overtaking his vocal and the yeah. acoustic guitar that was only ten feet away from the drum set. Wow. And, um, yeah. And there's something really interesting too about listening back to a record mm-hmm. in the space that it was made in. Yeah. I've wondered often yeah. like if there's like some psychoacoustic thing that happens <laughs> it playing through the speakers in the same room that it was made in. Wow. I don't know. But um <laughs> anyways, yeah, that was a really fun one. Uh-huh. And then um What what kind of material did he do on that? He did all sorts of kind, but I mean, I guess it's under the moniker of Pete Krebs and the Gossamer Wings. Yeah. Um yeah. But he had a, a couple different guest musicians that uh-huh. came in, you know, um, a slide player, Rusty Blake played on it. Uh-huh. Um, and there was uh, quite a few um, harmony singers, uh-huh. some guest percussionists. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty varied. You know, some songs would be like upright bass uh-huh. and just his voice and like a really sweet um, jazz um, tone guitar. And then some songs like full on rock, like uh-huh. crashing cymbals yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah. distorted, overdriven guitars. Wow. And, um, so it was really cool to hear kind of the different uh, breadth of songs that he brought in there. Yeah. Did you, you do any playing on it? No, that oh. was the that was the funniest thing, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it never even came up and I never thought about it once <laughs> until people asked me afterwards. said, well, it's funny. You and Pete played together. For a long time, I've known each other for a long time. I was yeah. like, yeah, I didn't even think about it. I was just like, <laughs> I, I'm very busy with uh, yeah, um, yeah. recording everything, mixing everything and mastering everything. So um, <laughs> I, you know, we made music together that way this time, yeah. which I really yeah. enjoy. Yeah. 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 
was he allowed to be in the in the mastering sessions <laughs> <laughs> he didn't he didn't want to really yeah yeah i mean and a lot of the mixing stuff too i did on my own um he's really cool in that way like he's um he's like i kind of like seeing what you're going to do with mm -hmm. the mixes and then and give it back to me and if something needs to change then we can change it but um you know i i'd rather see you know a realized vision and listen to it for the first time than the incremental steps along gotcha. the way yeah yeah which is yeah wow. it's really cool huh. so you got I, I have your little list here of oh. who you're working with and it's oh. really huge mm -hmm. um we, we just we just uh uh she she and and, and uh and steve moved away but maria massa oh yeah yeah, that yeah. Have I've been, been playing with experience. I've been playing with her for yeah um, quite a while, and um, yeah, I mean, I'd say probably about six years ago or so, we mm -hmm. met each other at this great benefit um, at the Aladdin, um, and then we just became buddies mm -hmm. right away. And um, so yeah, I used to play guitar with her <laughs> um, when it was just her and. Uh, and a couple of friends that sang with her mm -hmm. and we did a few gigs around town that way. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, most recently I mastered her record. Yeah. Um, and her new album is just awesome, you know, uh -huh. and it's, um, it was mostly produced and, uh, mixed down in LA. Really? Yep. So that's where she is now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's a loss. I know. I know, really but I, I, I have a feeling that she'll be back. I hope so. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I'll go down there. <laughs> so tell me, who, tell me about some of these other people that I don't know about. Oh sure. Like for instance, um, uh, Cassie Velaza. Oh yeah. Does she pronounce it Velaza or Velaza? Uh, I believe Velaza. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did. A, I did. A, I had Paul Mazio on on the you know the trumpet player. Yeah. On the podcast one time, I said, "Well, how do you do? You, do you pronounce it?" Mazio or Mazio? And he said, I pronounce it right. I pronounce it Mazio. <laughs> well, perhaps perhaps there is a right way and a wrong way. Maybe I've, I've, I've glossed over it too many times, you know. Uh, but she's been a but friend. But there's another, there's another, there's a jazz bass player named Dennis Kayaza. Kayaza and he, I, I asked him the same question. And he said, either way is okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, maybe it depends on the day when if, you catch him, right? Or if you're Italian. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> or maybe that's the whole thing. I think it is. Yeah. That's funny. So who is she? So Cassie is an amazing songwriter. Uh -huh. um, she just has um, one album out right now, Dear Dead Days, it's called. But uh -huh. it's been getting a lot of play on um, KEXP Good. up in Seattle. and. Uh -huh. um, and she's just doing fantastic, but she does kind of, it's really like, kind of like psychedelic <laughs> Western music, like really? beautiful songwriting and just yeah. amazing yeah. singer. Yeah. Um, and just really wild, um, cool instrumentation. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, I, um, I was able to master that record for her and um, recently just set it up for, um, to be uh mastered for vinyl as well nice. and so that'll be coming out as um a double record uh, uh 245s okay so. what do you like better vinyl cds or digital hmm well i like music uh -huh. um and and i would say 
CDs, I think, generally are better sounding than a lot of the streaming. Mm -hmm. That being said, I've been um, streaming with Tidal for a couple of years, and they do. The only reason why I go with them is that they stream at 96 kilohertz, 24 bit files. Mm -hmm. So for mastering nerds like me, yeah, you can hear the difference right um but that being said i've never ever stopped listening to records i started yeah it's the only piece of custom furniture that we have in our house (laughs) is to hold all of the records right right i still buy records i still i i mean i really want to this year in fact was going to be my big year i only got one of the trips but i was going to do four or five different trips this year (laughs) to go research lathes i really wanted to get a lathe and get into making the the lacquers for uh-huh. um with mastering wow uh, for making records i mean i have a whole book and i got to la and went to nam and went saw three different people and um started reaching out to people in chicago and uh-huh. la and nashville um and new york and then well i got injured first and then and right. then um and then covid happened so right and then the I don't know if you heard about this or not, but um, I think it was in February in California, Apollo um, Lacquers, which supplies, I think it's 80 or 85% of the acetates yeah. um, burned up. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. So now they're just using this company out of uh, Japan, which is a very wow. small Jeez. supply. So it, I That's kind terrible. of maybe dodged a bullet as far yeah, as uh yeah, yeah. you know getting a new space and buying a right. $200,000 machine Jeez. with no acetates right. to uh right. <laughs> yeah. So have have you been able to play any gigs at all? I played one uh wedding with the Kung Pao Chickens that was booked like a year ago uh-huh. and it was a socially distanced yeah in Cathedral Park and that was back in September. And last week I played a gig with uh, my friend Taylor Kingman, uh-huh. who I've uh, I've also been playing with and mastering some stuff for him. Um, and he's a fantastic songwriter. But he and I played at uh, this place, uh, Nepo Forty Two. Uh-huh. Um, but that's it. Two gigs in seven months. Uh-huh. So who is who is the Kung Pao Chickens these days? So the Kung Pao Chickens these days yes. is just. Tracy Kim, Tim Acott, and myself. Huh. Gary Gunther passed away yes. a couple of years ago. That was sad. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he really a psychologist. struggled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a he had quite a struggle there at the end, but That's um, too bad. he was able to, I think, make amends with a lot of things Good. right near the end. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I always loved his playing in in Kung Pao. I mean, it was oh yeah, really it made it special. People I mean, call him the Silver special, Fox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> played the clarinet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he. Uh, it's funny, full circle. Uh, talking about Maria Massa, she come down sometimes and uh, and sit in with us. Mm-hmm. And Gary always loved the sound of her voice too, you know. And so, uh, yeah, they really enjoyed performing with each other that way. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but not not too many not too many gigs these days to speak of. <laughs> yeah, that's right. for sure. I'm I'm right. curious. Have you, with your other people that you've been interviewing, have they been um, doing like a lot of streaming stuff and stuff yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah, I haven't I haven't gotten into that yet. Yeah, 
for I guess the first six, first four or five months, I guess from from um, April until just a couple of weeks ago, we were doing live streaming every week. Oh wow! But from people's houses, you know, yeah. So it was it, it was it was the quality was all over the place. You know? Right. Sometimes it was terrific. You know, Martin Zarzar did a fabulous one. It was everything was perfect. The audio. Was right. Great. And then some of them were just, you know, put the, set their camera up in their living room. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so anyway, so it, it varied in quality, but it was, it, was, it was always interesting. We had to rev that up again. Our, our, uh, one, one of our people has just um, produced a couple of streaming concerts, one with Mel Brown, the Mel Brown oh, wow. Trio, and the other one with the Lewis Payne Trio. Oh, cool. Yeah. Wow. And uh, uh, so we're going to see where that goes. But, you know, it's... Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's the, you know the 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 latency part is always there. Yeah. You know. Yep. It's just, yeah. There's no. It's amazing, isn't it? In 2020, that there's yeah. still no right um, perfect way to perform with each other over the right. internet. Right. There's an immediacy to music that technology has not yeah. caught up to yet. Well, the TV networks can't figure it out. Right. Yeah. You know. I mean. I mean. Everybody uses Zoom. Yeah, but I've I Zoom is hard. I hate I hate Zoom. Yeah, I'd rather I'd, I'd rather use Skype because you know there's always there's, there's always dropout on Zoom, right. you yeah. know, and uh, uh, I don't know. Just yeah, it's not good. The yeah, I mean, I can't believe that they haven't figured out the simplest things. Like one thing I'd like to see about somebody doing maybe maybe myself. I have to get into this, but. Um, <laughs> I think somebody should make like a little plug-in or effect for things like Zoom and Skype that has an automatic gate on it, just like they do like in like TV yeah, world yeah. where it ducks down the background noise and mm -hmm. it opens up when you start speaking. Yeah. yeah so it's a yeah. lot clearer. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know, maybe we just have to ride it out and we can get back to normal. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Right. Maybe. Yeah. And if, 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 uh, if all of us survive, yeah, this is, you know, it's not, not nothing's guaranteed. I know it's the new way of uh, greeting each other. It's like, right. how's your how's your apocalypse going? Right. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I know. Anyway, um, so uh, do you, do you, I, I, so is is playing therapy for your wrist? Uh, yeah, it's it's one of the best things. Yeah, you know. Um, so yeah, so for about. I'd say going back to May, maybe June more. I have um, like a whole Manila, you know, like those uh, the uh, the legal pads, yeah. you know, the, the yellow papers. Um, I have an, one of those filled up. Every day, I'd write down the date, yeah. and the songs, yeah. and the goal of the beats per minute that I need to get to, uh -huh. and where I was at that day. Wow! And I did that. Most every day, yeah, um, for months, and um, it was really cool. Um, I was able to figure out that the way that I learn um, was the same way that my healing was taking place. Uh -huh. That the uh, the hand therapist was able to see, in that I would do these exercises, you know, for four hours a day, and go in to see this hand specialist every week. And sometimes they wouldn't see any progress at all uh -huh. with me for a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden one day something would move like 30% more. Huh. 
it wasn't gradual for me. Wow. Um, and that's the same thing with playing that I figured out from um, learning to play guitar again. Uh-huh. Was nothing was very gradual. Like you stay at it in uh-huh. a very steady pace. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden it would go from like, I could only play it at 60 beats per minute uh-huh. to a hundred, <laughs> you know, in wow. one day, Wow. Um, in one moment, you know, it wasn't Jeez. like slowly getting faster uh-huh. and faster. Uh-huh. Just like all of a sudden, I think cause it's something I've done for 30 years Yeah. that yeah. all of a sudden, like you had to trust yourself enough to go there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was fascinating though. Like the whole, um, learning to play again and, yeah. you know, doing it with different posture and like trying not to cross my legs when I play. And really? Yeah. Like all these different things that I've been going through, um, you know, some of the Alexander technique and mm-hmm. different things like that. So that's interesting. I, I'm repeat, I'm repeating myself, everybody. So shut up. <laughs> um, I had Steve Berlin in here. Oh, cool. And he spent, I met him before. He spent the whole, he has spent <laughs> Because it's not over. Yeah. The whole period, learning a completely new technique of how to play a saxophone. Oh, cool. And just everything. Yeah. Broke everything down. Yeah. It's, and and he still he still was struggling with it. Yeah. You know, because because he's got you know thirty thirty five years of of memory. Yeah. Of you know Los Lobos gigs and yeah. shit like that. You know, but uh, it was isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I know. If there was a short period of time where I almost thought about. Um, learning to play left-handed. Oh. <laughs> um, but then, you know, the the tough part was um, that it wasn't it wasn't so much um, that that um, my left hand, you know, obviously it couldn't rotate, so that's yeah. why I was thinking about doing it here. But I I have to say I'm very thankful that my left hand was the one broken and not the dislocated finger because this right yeah. middle finger is still swollen yeah. after seven months. And it'll be like that for over a year Wow! and I can't bend it all the way. Yeah. So in some ways I'm very lucky um, because it was, I found out really quickly trying to play left-handed that yeah. this finger hurt way worse than oh. <laughs> the broken one wow. with the plate in it did, Jeez. you know? Um, anyway, so that, you, would, you would have just had to play Foxy lady every time. Anyway, <laughs> so. <right>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember I used to practice things. Uh, I forget. It was like some guitar player years ago I heard say, it's a really good idea to practice playing things that you've played a million times, like say GCD on the guitar without using your first finger <laughs> or without using your your middle finger mm-hmm. or like all these yeah. things in case you ever get hurt. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I remember thinking about that when I got hurt and I was like, well, what do you, wow. what, how do you practice if your whole wrist is? Yeah, really, <laughs> really. I remember uh, I did a piece on David Monette who who had built a couple of left-handed trumpets for people. Mm. Ingrid wow. Ingrid Jensen, really really good jazz trumpet player. Mm. Uh, ha, uh, he built one for her, and then she couldn't. She decided she couldn't play it. Oh wow! Yeah, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I think that that's. I talked to a, a friend Kevin Major. He used to play um, with uh, Ernest Lovers, which mm-hmm. is Pete's kind of country group with leslie bia yeah i produced that record as well and i remember i I ran to him uh maybe about oh i don't know maybe eight months ago Uh and um he said he had just relearned how to play the drums (laughs) 
left-handed. Wow. Because he was having a problem with, I think, his shoulder or arm or something and went to the doctor. And the doctor's like, well, does it hurt if you play left-handed? He's like, well, I've never played left-handed before. He said, well, <laughs> give it a month. Yeah. You'd be amazed at how much. And he said, yeah, after like a month, he learned how to play left-handed, <laughs> you know? And so I think that if you if you don't flip flop back and forth and you say this yeah. is the only way, yeah. it's like seeing somebody who plays guitar with their toes. Yes, you know, <laughs> things like that. Like I can't even move my toes independently, and somebody else can play classical guitar with them. So depends on what you got. <laughs> so um, were you working on a, on a record for yourself when all this shit happened? Well, I was not working on a record for myself. I'm I'm working on. Um, I'm working on a record with uh, my longtime musical companion, uh, Martha Scanlon. Uh-huh. And she and I have done, oh, two or three records together now. And so we were planning on starting this new one. And then, um, and then we had to do it remotely. And so it's been pretty cool, though. Like, uh-huh. um, instead of this process for she and I, everything is very spontaneous. Like we don't even like to really practice when we haven't seen each other for months. Like uh-huh. she'll spring a new song on me on the stage. And, and that's what's kind of, um, just felt right uh-huh. over all these years. Wow. Um, and during this process, it's been really interesting because in order to share something, you have to just present it to the person and they accept it fully uh-huh. instead of when you're in person, like um, you can tell immediately when you're playing something or showing somebody something, uh-huh. uh, if you think it's going the right way or not. And when you have to record something in order to get to, to share it with someone, it's like a delayed process, but in some uh-huh. ways you have to even be more, uh, have more humility about it because uh-huh. just the beginning of an idea, instead of saying, Oh, this is just the beginning of an idea anyways. So I don't know. Let's just see. Maybe you can add something to it. You don't need to add all that mm-hmm. um, precursor to it because that's known ahead of time, but you're just sending a raw idea and the uh, back and forth process is, um, you know, it's, it's a bit longer, but, uh-huh. um, but through that, it's been really cool, you know. Yeah. 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 What, what do you think you'll have? A, when, when do you think you might have a finished product? Well, I don't know. This is like the this has been the craziest thing because we generally have the problem of 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 just having enough songs for a record, you uh-huh. know. Uh-huh. I think last this morning I looked, I'm writing out little cards with the title of the song and a little <laughs> something that they're about. I think mm-hmm. I have 32 songs Wow! right now. And there's still more, like I just wrote another one this morning before <laughs> I came down here. Um, and we're just kind of going with it. Um, it's kind of like if the faucet's on yeah. and the ideas are coming, Yeah, don't stop. Huh. And so we're just, um, just sticking with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And the other thing is that we're playing everything ourselves. So like I've gone back to my first instrument, drums, Really, and I'm uh, piecing together a drum kit and uh, practicing again. And yeah, your parents I played... let you get drums? Oh yeah! Wow. Well, I kind of took it. I kind of made my own drum set when I was little. You know, <laughs> I had the pots and pans. Yeah. And, 
<laughs> I didn't I didn't really think through when you're about three or four years old. I remember I, I found a tack and a piece of string <laughs> and attached it to the ceiling and then tied the, the, the lid of a pot for a symbol. But I forgot about the fact that after I hit it, it's gonna swing back and hit me in the face, you know? So that was that was my first drum kit. But uh but yeah, I got a keyboard. Uh as soon as I got hurt, I got a keyboard, uh -huh. uh, like a like a moog. Yeah. Um, just because I wanted to have something that I could make melody ideas from. Uh -huh. So that became a, a new instrument, um, drums, uh -huh. bass, you know, all these different things that I don't normally play. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been so really who, fun. So who was your first musical hero? Oh boy. My first musical hero. Yeah. Well, you know, I grew up, um, I guess it was probably, it was probably Bob Dylan. Really? Yeah, because I grew up, you know, with uh, the very peace and justice oriented family, you yeah. know, a lot of yeah. protests mm -hmm. and we had uh, refugees um, during the Iran-Contra affair. Uh -huh. I'm staying with us wow. and news crews showed up at our house and stuff wow. like that, you know. Huh. Uh, this is all on the south side of Chicago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, and then there was another guy, this drummer named Brian Saner, and mm -hmm. um, went to go see him um, in Chicago with my folks when I was really little. And I just remember, like, seeing somebody play a solo performance on a drum set. Mm -hmm. and it wasn't bombastic or flashy. Yeah. It was just music. Yeah. And it was just yeah. on that instrument. And... I thought, huh, okay, well, that's really cool, um, it being that way. And then I guess the like the whole reason I got into playing guitar was because I played drums at the same time. Yeah. I first got into playing guitar because I heard this album, Friday Night in San Francisco, with um, Aldo Mila, Paco de Lucia, uh -huh, uh -huh. and uh, John McLaughlin. Yeah. And they were so <coughs> rhythmic with it, mm -hmm. and I never heard guitar done like that. And um, so then I thought, well, maybe you can do like these kind of rhythms that are done predominantly on the drums and you add notes to them. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, those are probably like the first, the first three, I guess. You asked for one, yeah, but. Okay. <laughs> Third time's a charm, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's probably it. Um yeah, I mean that there were so many, you know. I mean, I I played like I used to be the really like a lot of metal yeah. and you know <laughs> Frank Zappa and um, I did, still did you try? Did you learn Eddie Halen? Eddie, Eddie Van Halen? Looks? Oh yeah, I can still you, play eruption, right? you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love tapping and all that uh -huh, stuff with uh -huh. the whammy bar. I got a flying <laughs> V at home. Really? You know? Yeah, Randy uh, Randy Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's blue with a mirror pickguard, <laughs> but yeah, I just like all different kinds of music, you know, yeah, yeah. and, and it all, it all feels fascinating to me, you know, <laughs> kind of like people, you know, right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some of them you want to hang out with longer than others. Yes. You know, yes, but you can appreciate yeah. everybody's <laughs> life, you know, <laughs> most people I should say. Most, not yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, well, listen, this is great. I appreciate you coming in. Hey, well, thanks so much. It's been a long time. Yeah. And I'm um, glad you're doing okay. I'm glad you're healing. Yeah. Yeah, you and bet. And I'm glad you're playing. And, oh, uh, yeah. You know, I'm totally. I'm glad you have a business that uh, can make you a little money. 
Yeah. 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 You know, it's, 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 it's amazing. Um, pivoting a few years ago to kind of doing less touring as much uh-huh. and being able to kind of do stuff from home. Uh-huh. seems like, uh, it was, uh, some forethought that I didn't realize <laughs> was coming my way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for coming in. Well, thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right, man. Right. Cool. Later in the day, John sent this over. He said it was a song he wrote around Christmas a couple of years ago for some friends going through some hard times. That it seems like it's still an appropriate song. Operate it all 